0: Hey there, it's Debbie. I've been getting a lot of questions lately about the challenges within couples when raising a neurodivergent child, and both partners aren't necessarily on the same page. So while the show was on a short production hiatus, I've decided to re-release a two-part conversation from the archives between my husband, Darren, and me about how we've navigated our partnership and our parenting journey together. I released part one yesterday, and today you can listen to part two.
1: Yeah, I really thought I could, I could change him. For the better, and that actually backfired completely, 100% backfired. He just became super annoyed with me every time I had a correction, and he, and I actually I think I really hurt our relationship during that time. I think I really did. I, because um, he didn't really want to hang around with somebody. I mean, who would want to hang around with somebody who's always correcting them?
0: Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and this week I'm bringing my husband Darren back to the show for the second time. I get a lot of questions from parents about how to get a partner more involved or engaged in what's happening with their differently wired kids. Many of these emails I get talk about partners who are kind of checked out or don't know how to relate to their kids or are reluctant to tap into resources the other parent has found so helpful, or they simply might not acknowledge that there is any sort of narrow difference that needs to be addressed. So I asked Darren to come onto the show to see if he has any thoughts on how to address these concerns, as in our relationship, he was lagging behind a bit in many of these areas and for many years. By the way, I mentioned this is Darren's second appearance on the podcast. He came on to the show a few years ago for a very honest conversation about his journey to come to accept who Asher is. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, and these are issues that are speaking to you, I definitely recommend you go back and have a listen to that episode too. It's episode 56, and you can find it at tillparenting.com slash session 56. And one other note before I move on. Darren and I do our best to not frame this conversation in a way that reinforces traditional gender roles and traditional family makeups. I know we have many families in the Tilt community who are in same-sex relationships or in cases where relationships are heteronormative, the father is the primary caregiver or homeschool parent or the one who is more engaged and in tune with the differently wired kids. So I just want to acknowledge that upfront. Just like our journeys with our kids, I recognize every family works differently And with that being said, the vast majority of who I hear from regarding challenges surrounding getting a co-parent on board and designing that alliance is women who are struggling to get their husbands or ex-husbands on the same page. So regardless of where you are in these complicated relationships, I hope that you find our conversation useful. And before I get to the episode, if you haven't had a chance to check out my new book, Differently Wired, and you want to see if it's for you... Don't forget, you can download the first chapter and table of contents at tiltparenting.com slash book. And if you have read it already and like what you read, I would be grateful if you would consider leaving a review on Amazon or on Goodreads. More reviews means more visibility for the book. And I want to make sure the people who would benefit from its message can easily find it. So thank you so much for your help with that. And now here's my conversation with Darren. Hello, sweetie. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, baby. How you doing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. Because I think, as you know, you got a lot of emails from that first episode we did together. Yep. And there have been a lot of conversations that have come up during my book tour and in the book club and just in Facebook threads that I've participated in centered around how to get another parent on board or just on the same page and and all kinds of issues relating to there being a disconnect. And so, I thought we would just talk and get a little m- more insight from your perspective. And also, I want to talk about how you and Asher grew closer and you know what worked for you in terms of really building your bond with him. So, you up for all of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great.
0: Okay. So, I thought as a way to start Maybe you could just summarize a little bit about where you were with Asher, say, you know, maybe five years ago around the time that we moved here, where you were in your relationship with Asher compared to where you are today.
1: Gosh, you know, it's, uh, when you put it like that, it's, uh, it's amazing to think about because, uh, we've come such a long way and just in five years, um, it's not like things were terrible five years ago, but, um we're we're so much closer now than we were then. But back then, um I guess that's the time when we we moved here, right? 5 years ago.
2: Yeah.
1: Back then, I think Asher was 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 an upset guy. He he didn't want to be in Amsterdam. He was pulled away from his home in Seattle, so he was not a happy person. Most of my time was spent trying to please him with, you know, fleeting things like chocolate croissants or uh games or something along that we could do quickly but it wasn't a nurturing relationship you know what i mean it wasn't it wasn't deep uh i mean i loved him to death i I had no idea how to express it or how to show him that i i loved him i was um i think i was a little too no i was i was too judgmental right he should be different you know and i'm going to help him change that's what my mentality was you know i was going to model the right behavior and uh, a lot of corrections from dad you know a lot of uh i, I didn't accept who he was like sitting at the table remember if you were we we're at the table i can talk forever by the way if we we're at the table eating dinner and he would do something like uh use his fork the wrong way or or talk with his mouth open or get too loud during discussion i was i was all over it everything you know i was every time there was what i thought was a a transgression of some kind. I was I was correcting him him all the time, which uh kinda revealed what was going on underneath, which was that I was not pleased with him. I wanted him to be different. You know what I mean? I wanted him to be different. And uh he was not being different. So <laughs>
0: Well, let me ask you a question. Because one of the things I hear from a lot of parents is that one of the parents might not be even seeing that there's something going on with their child. So it could be denial, it could be they're thinking, you know, well, I was like this as a child, or it's it also could just be, you know, like a true philosophical divide, where the other parent just thinks this is bad behavior, and that the thing to do is to Discipline differently, or more, or that kind of thing. So, yeah. I'm just curious: is that like what do you think was going on? You said you weren't feeling pleased with him, but what do you think that was all about?
1: Yeah, I th- I felt like he was. I don't know. I felt like he was. Um, he lacked discipline, just like you. Just like you said, and he needed more discipline. You know, he needed to know what was right and what was wrong, because clearly, if he knew what was right and what was wrong, he would make better decisions. Right. <laughs> Such limited logic I was applying to this situation, but it was very emotional for me because, yes, I was I was like Asher when I was a kid, not completely like him, but similar. There was we have some similarities. And I, I, I knew that, that if, if I was able to, you know, through corrections, I, I could I could guide him in the right direction. It's really naive. I think about this uh, mentality I was in is super naive. Um, yeah, I really thought I could I could change him. For the better, and that actually backfired completely, 100% backfired. He just became super annoyed with me every time I had a correction, and he, and I actually I think I really hurt our relationship during that time. I think I really did. I, because um, he didn't really want to hang around with somebody. I mean, who would want to hang around with somebody who's always correcting them? And uh, that was hard. And on the other side of the table, you were you were being super supportive. You were being caring and loving and supportive and you would even say darren it's okay you know it's he's okay to to eat like that that's fine you know and i would i would realize i'm doing it again you know i didn't even know i was doing it frankly i just had like a a lazy knee-jerk reaction yeah
0: so a couple of words jumped out at me. One, you used the word naivete, and then you also yeah. said lazy. So that's interesting for me to hear. And I'm just wondering for people who are listening to this, because I know this might be a show that people listen to together with their partner and might be in this situation. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts to share with how how a parent who is feeling as if their partner is in that denial or just not getting at space how those parents can help to reframe their partner's thinking a little bit or encourage you know we can't obviously change somebody else's mind but how can the partner who does get it a little more encourage the partner who's maybe lagging behind to get it like do you have thoughts on that
1: yeah that's a tough one i mean here's the thing when when there was a real divide, when you started to really connect with Asher at the and you know, that you've been connecting with Asher for so long, but when you started to really connect with him and you you really supported him and showed, you know, unconditional love during whatever was going on. Um and I saw your your bond grow, I actually became jealous of that bond. I wanted to have that bond. I wanted to have that relationship with my kid. I wanted to have fun with him and here I am correcting all the time and and, and pushing him away. And still, the you know the behavior or what I thought was behavior was persisting, and i and I, I couldn't figure it out and one thing that really made a difference was to notice when we were hanging out that he really liked spending time with you and when he was spending time with you, he was super happy because you made him feel loved and I think that was a sort of an aha moment for me when I realized that. He doesn't feel loved when he's around me. In fact, he even said this. I don't know if you remember this. This day, we were talking. I don't know what happened. He was having a bad day. Something happened, and I was being more obtuse than usual. And uh, I, I said something, and he was upset. And then I said, "I love you. I love you more than anything." I, I, of course, I love you more than anything. I'm sorry. I was this way or that way. And he said, "Well, doesn't seem like it. Doesn't seem like you love me more than anything." Mm-hmm. I, that would really uh kind of put it in perspective for me that that's the that's the perception he was getting from me that I was I didn't like him for some reason that that's what the message was that I was was coming across and maybe there was a little bit of that in there, you know, but it wasn't true it, it was I was thought this is the best way I know how to parent you know and a that was a mistake but and then seeing you like I said seeing you with him. And seeing that relationship and how happy he was, I wanted that. And I realized that if I wanted to have that relationship, I was going to have to change. And you you said this to me already. I think that conversation about we had that made a big difference, the conversation about how to support him, what does unconditional love mean, that our job as parents, our number one job is to love our child and support him it's not to show him all of the tricks that we've learned from in our past coming from a a child to an adult but to love him and support him and help him on his way and um that uh, resonated with me in a very fundamental way because i i I kept trying to impart my wisdom to him (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and he wasn't really interested um he wasn't interested and it was when i switched from being imparting wisdom to just being supportive and loving and unconditional love that's when the relationship opened up and he started to accept me and uh, we got closer because of that so we had a conversation you demonstrated to me what was going on like we actually had a a meeting or we talked with asher one time and you you said i'll show you how i'm supporting him in this in this moment and then we we circled back and talked about it so It was like a three-step process Mm. that um, made a difference for me. And then I just kept doing it. And the more I did it, the more it worked. And then, yeah, that was it.
0: We'll be right back after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three in one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Do you think there's anything that, you know, I'm just thinking of of people who are listening to this and so much of what you're sharing was, I mean, it took a long time. This wasn't something that happened overnight, just to be clear on that. But a lot of it was you coming to this realization on your own, and then making the decision to consciously show up differently. And I'm just wondering, you know, I'm just speaking to the listener whose partner isn't there yet. Can you mm-hmm. think of things that, you know, like, I know that you're not a, a family therapist or, or anything, but, no. you know, being that partner who was lagging behind, like any thoughts on what a partner could do to encourage or support the other partner in getting there?
1: Mm. It, it, you know, it's a two, it's a two way street. So you did a lot too. So you demonstrated a lot which was something that I needed to see. So we, we did a lot of, um, handoff, you know what I mean? Where, where you would spend time with Asher and then I would spend time with Asher. And the time that we spent together with Asher was pretty, was, was not as much maybe meals or whatever. We, I mean, we spent a lot more time now together as a family, but I didn't really see or understand how best to support him. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't get it. And then when left to my own devices, I failed, you know, and, and was causing issues. So spending more time as a family and then you demonstrating what, what does unconditional supportive love look like? I know it sounds really funny, but, uh, I, it made a difference in, in how I, how I perceived it. We also met, you know, we met every night. We talked about Asher and what, what happened during the day every single night. And sometimes in the morning, we talk about how we're going to do things today with Asher. Those kinds of things really helped. But the two-way street part, the part that you gave me space to learn, that was the other thing you had you had to do, which was not easy for you, because I messed up a lot, um, was t- to give me space to learn. You know what I mean? We'd mm-hmm. be in a situation, and then I'd start off, and then, I I'd mess up right and then he would get upset or something like that and then and you would say I'll just you know I'll just handle it and uh, that didn't make me feel good of course it solved the problem with Asher quickly because you're you're mama bear and took care of him but for me I didn't learn and I I felt like I was failing again you mm-hmm. know so I I needed practice and yeah. I needed you to help but also give me space you know what I mean yeah yeah but the, I had to have desire to do it in the first place. I, I had to recognize that the relationship was not great with Asher and that you could help. You were not my enemy in this situation. You're my, my partner <laughs> yeah. and that you could help me get to this, this next level. And that's, we did. We, we made a team effort and it wasn't, uh, like you said, it wasn't overnight. It took a long time. It took a long time. And I still occasionally say something stupid, you know?
0: Well, I never do that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Yeah.
0: Well, and also I'll just say I had to work on also just not interrupting and giving you more room. And yeah. uh, and that's something I still consciously do. And sometimes I still do step in if I see things going down a bad road.
3: <laughs> yeah. But
0: um, I want to even just take it a step back. I'm just thinking okay. about a lot of us, a lot of the parents I hear from – are the ones who are really engaged, right? They're the ones reading all all the books and listening to this podcast and all the other resources that are out there. And we certainly have been in this situation where I've shared something with you, you know, a book left it on the bedside table when you read this chapter, (laughs) or maybe listen even to my podcast. (laughs) Hello, um, you know, and suggested you check it out. And you have resistance to that often. Yep. And I know a lot of listeners are shaking their head like, yes, that's, you know, how do I get my partner to read this stuff? And what are your thoughts on that? What's the resistance about?
1: Yeah. Well, there's, for me, there's two things. Yeah. one I don't like being told what to do. It's pretty basic. I don't know if it's a male thing, but for me, it's, it's pretty basic. But, uh, yeah, I also have difficulty reading a book and putting it into practice? What are it, if it's a self-help book? Like I read a, a self-help book and I go, oh, that's really interesting theory, you know, but I don't really take it to heart. I know you can read a book like that and, you know, the next day put the 10 principles in practice and actually use them flawlessly. It doesn't work like that for me. I can't read the book and, and get it. So that's why I was talking about demonstration. That That works. That works wonders. If you remember, we did that a couple times. We talked about the when statements: when you do this, I feel like this. Those those examples, even if it was written out on a piece of paper, where you anyway, even even in that case, I I, I couldn't do it. But after I saw you do it, I was like, oh yes, of course I can do that. And now I, then I could do it, but I had to practice and I had to have a demonstration. That maybe that's just me, but uh, I, I find those books. Some of them are really interesting. And of course, now I can read them. Now, I think the resistance is more back then may have been, well, my child doesn't have a problem, you know, it's just this whole thing is overdiagnosed everywhere or he's like me and I I didn't I wasn't diagnosed when I was a kid, you know, and I made it through life and I'm successful human being. So and all of this stuff that we're doing matters very little. You know, it's, it's really about him and his maturity, things that were going through my head at the time.
0: So well, okay, a couple things. One, that's interesting, just to know that that's not how you necessarily learn or so that's something that, you know, maybe listeners, even just having that conversation, like, maybe this isn't the best way for you to consume information or to actually take something in in a way that you can make actionable in your own life. So what other things can we do? Or maybe we could have a discussion about it. Yeah, would be one way to go. But I'm curious, you talked about, well, two things. The other two things are the resistance, one centered around just not being, not liking to be told what to do. Yeah. Which is interesting and wondering how we get around that. (laughs) And then the other one is, you know, you talked about just feeling like this isn't really a problem. So that denial piece. And Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, you know, how did you get past that? How did you get to a place where you were Accepted. Okay. Well, maybe something has to change here.
1: It's funny. Um, yeah. So even though a long time ago we both accepted it, right after we he got his initial pre-diagnosis, whatever that was called, and provisional. Um, yeah. Yeah, provisional. I, I accepted it, and I, I, I realized that's that's who he is, and th- that's fine. But then, even then, I, I was like, but it's not really that important. You know, it's not important to who he is and what he's going to become. You know, it's, it's, you know, putting a label on it and then, and then forcing some kind of behavior change on our part because of the label doesn't, it doesn't make sense. He's a human being. We just need to be his parents, you know. So I think that it wasn't until, I mean, that all made sense to me in a sort of abstract way. It wasn't until that moment when I realized that our relationship, my relationship with Asher was suffering and it wasn't a, good relationship and i had to actually take stock and think about it go wait a minute there were times when he didn't want to spend time with me or he didn't want to do things with me because of you know i was mr mr correction or he could tell i was not happy with him and that is not at all where i wanted to be i did not want to be that that guy that that parent who the kid doesn't want to spend time with oh my god that's horrible because i love him to death and it was super frustrating for me to try to reconcile that in my head. So I, um, it was that mo- it was those moments where I took stock of the relationship and said, "This is not going the way that I want it," and I need I need to change. But that was after you know we talked. But seeing that seeing that happen, and th- this is really about four years ago,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So we we've been in Amsterdam for a year, and he's happy. He's happy. But he's not happy hanging around with me. That was the that was the moment um, that I realized I'm not doing a great job here. I need to I need to change. I need to do something different.
0: I want to talk about then what you did to to do something different and how you guys connected. But before I do, just one last question yeah. on this topic. And you know what did you need from me? Like again, just speaking from your perspective that you were had this resistance and you wanted to have a better relationship and you saw what was going with me. I mean, you talked about me modeling and demonstrating, but as a man, as I don't want to make this a heteronormative, you know, (laughs) podcast, but just, you know, as the partner who was lagging behind a bit, what, what did you need from me? Like, what do you think other people who are in the position that you were in years ago are in that space now? What do they need from their partner?
1: You know, we talked about this before, but I think we went to that that place where you, you, you don't want to go, where you saw me as an enemy, or not an enemy, but at least I was not on board and I was creating problems for Asher that you had to fix, right? So you became... You were not supportive of me in that time. And I was falling further away from Asher. And what I needed from you was for you to realize that I needed help and to support me, not to chastise me, not to lose patience with me that I was doing it wrong again, but to find out a way to support me through this. But this is after I had acknowledged that I needed to change but i wasn't getting it i needed your support and your love so what you were giving asher so that was the other part of the triangle what you were giving asher is what i wanted from you and i wasn't getting that either so i'm flailing over here you know and getting worse as a result and actually resentful you know just like when it's the same kind of instinct the, the the wrong instinct you have when your child is upset when asher was really upset and and doing something completely irrational and saying awful things right and you 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 want to just say get in his face and tell him he's wrong and these are the facts and of course that doesn't work and what he really wants is to be is to be given a hug and to tell him that you you love him and that's that's what i needed that's what i needed was your your support cuz i wasn't i was struggling and maybe i didn't recognize it fully at the time but i needed and you gave it to me but it was not an easy it was not an easy battle because you had to admit that you were not being supportive of me. Mm-hmm. And then we got we we got through it, and it was really it was really hard for you to watch me f- flail and learn. But we got through it. You 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 did it. You we got to that next level, but it wasn't easy.
0: Yeah, it's a process.
1: It's a process. Yeah. We created that triangle, and I, I've heard that triangle talked about before, but we created that that negative triangle. We had to break it. Had to break the pattern,
0: the Bermuda Triangle of differently wired kids and their yeah. parents. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for for sharing that. I'm hoping that that is helpful and just that reminder that it it's such a, it is just a long process and a willingness to keep showing up and keep going in and keep doing the work and screwing up and seeing your partner with compassion and empathy and all of those things, even though we feel like we all need that same thing from our partner which we may not be getting too. so it's um we have to just keep our eyes on the prize like keep our eyes on the big goal for the family and especially for our child and uh and just keep showing up and doing the work
1: which you which you did you did we did it
0: we did it we're still doing it
1: <laughs> we're still doing
0: it <laughs> it's not we'll over no. we'll be right back after this quick break
2: well hey there busy mama Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks.
0: So I want to talk about the two of you. Um, You know, one of the things I hear from a lot of parents is one of the partners not knowing how to or even being willing to kind of join into their child's world so you know maybe their child has some interests that actually don't interest the parent at all or oh, yeah um maybe the parent doesn't really approve of them or you know i don't know how, how did you bridge that gap because you guys are thick as thieves now and can you just tell us a little bit about that
1: well that was interesting so um i have to go we have to go way back for that one but, uh, when he was younger, he, he had trouble sleeping at night, a lot of trouble sleeping at night. And we used to do this game where we, you know, before, before bedtime, we would pretend to be video game developers. And, uh,
0: I don't know if I remember this game.
1: Oh, we, we, what was, uh, well, it was, um, I used my skills as a, as a project manager and a business analyst to gather requirements for the next big video game. And, uh, he would come to my office and we would just, because uh, he loved video games. That's the thing. He loved video games and so did I. And so we we had this mutual um interest that we found and we would make believe. And so he would write the game. He would be the creative director and I would ask him questions and he would describe the world. And I don't think I've shown these to you. I have hundreds of these Word documents full of <laughs> video games. <laughs> I
0: did not know that
1: Ideas. This. I have his drawings. I have uh I have everything in it. But that you know that was the thing we ha- we found something together that we both liked. And I didn't want to do it honestly when it when he was younger. It sounds great now, but when he would come to my office, he couldn't sleep and he he needed some some way to distract him. And I had work to do, or or I was playing a video game, and I, my friends were waiting for me, or something else was happening that evening.
0: That I remember. And,
1: that yes, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then I, I, I was like, you know, I didn't have patience. I didn't have patience for him. I'm like, he should be asleep. It's, it's bedtime. And, um, I had to let that go and say, okay, this is time for, for me and my son to spend together. And we tried to find things to do. We played games. We played silly, silly games he had in his room, Legos, things like that. But it didn't have the same, it, it didn't quite capture it. Right. He could tell I was impatient. So. We found commonality around, yeah, making video games on paper. And that, um, that turned into something later. And as, as he got older, now we do it all the time. We, we have that common interest. We talk about video games. And of course, you know, we make them down for real, but that was our, that was our bonding moment was over, over games. And I, I had to, I had to give up my plans, I had plans, you know, I had to give up those plans and say, this is a moment to spend with my son and then, and then embrace it. Not just like, say, write things down and, you know, sort of half, half play with him. I had to get in there and, and be there with him in the moment when he was creating things and we would create together.
0: You know, what I'm hearing is that part of it was you just taking him seriously and respecting the value that he, Brings to these conversations, and then also at the same time, letting go of your expectations and being willing to engage in those activities with him just for the sake of spending time with him, rather than with this outcome that you had in mind, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was the other thing that he was so excited about. So this is kind of remarkable about Asher is that his ideas were really good. They are really good. They're really, really good. They're good game ideas. They're game ideas that should be out there. They're that good. He was so passionate about it, and excited about it, and I would help work on them. And I'd realize I realized one day that this is a kid who's who's not constricted by the the rules. He's he's exploring different ideas, and without rules, it really opens up a world of imagination. You know, so he he would create these fantastic uh, ideas, and the more I would think about it, I'd go, oh my gosh, this is really good. Somebody should really make this game, and that was the that was what got me excited was to see his creativity and to see, see him flourish in this uh, in this make believe world.
0: Well, you guys you guys are in a unique position, I think, from what a lot of our listeners will be in. I mean, you are a gamer, you are a yeah. coder, and no surprise that that's a deep area of interest for Asher. So it's kind of a natural thing for you guys to bond over, mm-hmm. and it has been, I think a gift that that's something you share and Lord knows that it's not something that I am interested in. (laughs) Although you've tried over the past 20 years to get me to become a gamer, that is Uh, not happening. But um, (laughs) what about, what about if it's something that you're not particularly interested in?
1: Yeah. Okay. So he's got tons of uh, subjects that he, he loves and you have to dive in. That's the thing. He's, he, he has things that he's, fascinated with like right now he's really into as you know fonts creating typefaces um calligraphy Uh, and you you know it's the same thing i wish i could do it i see his work and i say i wish i could do that he's he's amazing and i i see him create things and i see the way he focuses and his passion and he's really his focus on detail i I have so much respect i work with a lot of artists and my life career and i respect anybody who has that capability so i love to for instance when he had come back um, from his first couple of lessons and you said hey asher gave me a, a, a perspective lesson today you should let him teach you and that was fantastic he was so excited to teach me and i loved it and so i like that with anything that he's learning is to understand what he loves about it and that's any subject he's passionate about i want to be there with him and understand where his passion is coming from so and then i can i can support it yeah and you have to be there just be there be there for him
0: yeah that's what i was going to say i think there's kind of two pieces one is just making the space and i think that's probably the hardest thing for any of us is to just be present with our kid especially if they're doing something that we're not really Interested in or maybe don't understand as the my case when he's doing some complicated maneuvers in Kerbal space program and he wants yeah. to explain everything, uh, to me. But it, it is really just about being willing to be in that space and, and stay there and be present and ask questions and show interest, genuine yes. interest, not fake yep. interest and looking at that deeper why, because you know, when we ask questions like, well, what is it you find interesting about that? Or it really does light them up. And you can learn more about them and also relate on a deeper level, because we all feel that way about certain things. So that's where the connection can happen. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, I love that you mentioned about just asking them to teach. And that's something that really works well for us. And if, if listeners aren't doing that, that is a really great skill for kids to develop and also makes them feel so respected. If, if you ask them to give you a lesson, I do this with Asher and his calligraphy now. It gives him a chance to be in his area of competency, to learn communication skills, to feel heard and respected and confident and all of those things. And we learned more just kind of about how he. Operate, so I think that's a great suggestion too.
1: He's he's remarkably patient too. That's the that's the amazing thing. The opposite of of, of me, I think. <laughs> when I'm teaching something, I'm like no what's comment. the most optimal way to uh, get through to the end of this? No, he's um he's very patient. So. I,
0: I will say that I think Skyping with my mom has helped him develop some patience.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Grammy, yeah. if you're listening, I know that he really loves showing you Kerbal Space Program stuff. And he's, I love to hear how patient he is when he's talking with you about that. So, all right. Before we head off, I think I've covered most of the questions that I had from listeners. There's two other short questions, and we're running a little long. So, This doesn't really apply to us, this question, but because I did hear from a lot of parents who are no longer in partnership or relationship with their parenting partner. And if listeners are in that situation, I did do a podcast on co-parenting, and I'll leave the link to that in the show notes. And that might have some more specific strategies for how to get your co-parent on the same page. Okay. So I'm just going to ask one last question, just as a summary question. If you were to name one thing that you think has made the biggest difference in terms of bringing you and Ash together and just helping you be a more engaged, tuned in parent to him, what would that be?
1: I think it's, it's be there. Go there. Go to him. You need to move. You need to get out of your mindset and go to where the child is. Go to where and be with him support him don't wait for him to come to you be a supportive loving parent find out where he is what he's thinking what he's doing what he's feeling and support him and show your love and and your confidence and your in him i think that's uh that's the biggest thing for me
0: and then do it every day
1: every day <laughs> absolutely every day yeah
0: yeah All right. Well, I'm going to let you off the hook. Thank you for sharing all of this today and more of your story. I think it's helpful. And again, this is something that just comes up so much. And just to restate that it is a it's a long process. You know, I did an episode with Zach Morris on worldview transformation for our kids, but I think the same goes for adults. And it's probably even more challenging with adults, because we're more stuck in our thinking, perhaps. And grounded in our belief systems and ideologies. So what Zach says is just that this is something that happens over long periods of time with consistency and lots of empathy and to keep showing up. And I think that's, um, the best thing that we can do with our partner and to keep working together on trying to be on the same page and designing that alliance. So thank you again so much, Darren. And, um, perhaps you will come back yet another time.
1: I would love that. Okay, uh, well thank you.
0: pitch me an idea, okay? We'll see what okay. we can do. Sounds good. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash session one twenty-two. If you get value out of this podcast, please consider supporting it by making a small monthly contribution to help me cover the cost of production. There's an easier way to do this too, through an online platform called Patreon. Your contributions and that of other supporters are helping me pay my editor, Donna, who takes my recorded conversations and intros and outros, cleans them up, edits them, tags them for iTunes and uploads them onto SoundCloud. This saves me literally hours of time each week and it allows me to focus on all the other pieces of keeping Tilt going and supporting this community. To sign up, just go to patreon.com slash and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also find a link on the Tilt Parenting website on any of the show notes pages. And of course, I couldn't end a podcast without my weekly reminder to leave a rating and or a review for the show on iTunes. There are a lot of parenting podcasts out there, new ones popping up every day. And those ratings and reviews help keep our podcast highly visible, which in turn makes it easier for me to reach out to those big guests and invite them onto the show. So thank you so much for your help with that. And of course, thanks again for listening. For more information on Till Parenting, visit www.tillparenting.com.